A reading from Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Soon afterward, he came to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. This is the word of the Lord. Let's have a seat. You know what you're supposed to do. The long line of cars appears in your rearview mirror, lights on, and led by a hearse. You know what you're supposed to do. You show some respect to the recently departed and to the mourning family. You pull over to the side of the road and let them pass. When you see death approaching, you do everything you can to get out of the way. Jesus knew what he was supposed to do. As the funeral procession neared him, everyone got out of the way, not only out of respect for the sobbing widow and her dead son, but also out of fear that by coming into contact with the dead body, they might be rendered ceremonially unclean. Jesus knew what he was supposed to do, but he didn't do it. As the procession came up to where he was standing, he refused to yield, slowing its progress, and he said to the grieving mother who had just lost her only son, do not weep. This command, driven as it was by our Lord's great compassion, must nevertheless have been absolutely appalling to many of those gathered outside the small town of Nain that day. How dare he tell this mother not to weep? Jesus clearly had never taken sensitivity training. Sorrow of the mourners was overcome by shock at this man's audacity, complete lack of social grace. But then he did something even more upsetting. He walked right up to the dead man. He forcefully laid his hand on the coffin. What could he possibly be thinking? The pallbearers, who had still been trying to march along despite this interruption, came to an abrupt halt, at a loss for words at what was happening. But Jesus was not at a loss for words. And if it was shocking when he spoke to the grieving mother, imagine the utter astonishment when he began speaking to her dead son. Young man, I say to you, arise. And all of a sudden, those gathered around forgot their indignation completely and were overwhelmed by awe and wonder. For the young man, the dead man, sat up and began to speak, alive somehow, 
again. Their hearts filled with fear, but their mouths filled with praise, for they had just seen Jesus push back death with with his righteous right hand and speak life back into a corpse with nothing but the sound of his voice, reversing the power of death and restoring a dead son to his mother. Jesus knew what he was supposed to do, but instead Jesus showed death no respect and refused to yield to its presumed supremacy refused to let it go on its own morbid way. Jesus gave death no quarter, but released from its stranglehold this beloved son, this only son, gave him new life. So too has Jesus refused to let our death pass him by, but instead has stopped it dead in its tracks and confronted it head on. Jesus put an end to death's triumphal march by his own death when his righteous right hand was nailed to a cross right across from his left. There atop Golgotha, he counted death as nothing, scorning its shame. Then he overthrew its power and dominion when he burst forth from the tomb on Easter morn, when God the Father reversed the power of death and restored to life his beloved Son, his only son. And that son has revealed to us that the day is coming soon when he will forever stop death's march for you. Place his perfect, scarred hands on your coffin and raise you up to life. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. He is not done yet. Amen. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. And Jesus went with him. There came from the rulers a house. Um, sorry, there came from the rulers' house some who said, "Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further?" But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, "Do not fear, only believe." And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome and amazed. He strictly charged him not uh, that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Be seated. 
They thought she was dead. But Jesus said, no. They thought she was dead, but Jesus said, do not fear, only believe. They thought she was dead, but Jesus said he was only sleeping. And so they laughed at him. The wailing mourners laughed at the Son of God until they cried and cried and cried. For here they were, pierced through the heart by unthinkable sorrow at the death of a 12-year-old girl, a girl who had had so much life and love and laughter ahead of her, whose youthfulness had been snuffed out, whose life had been cut dreadfully short, and the one man they had hoped would have been able to do something arrives too late. And then, before even going in, says that she's only sleeping. Nonsense. Tragic, contemptible, downright laughable nonsense. They were right, you know. She was dead, really, truly. They were right. But Jesus was too. Because what Jesus knew that they did not is that he would soon awaken her from her deathly slumber. What he knew that they did not is that death is but a sleep from which he can and will call his people back to consciousness. And so Jesus leaves the laughing grievers outside and giving the dead girl's parents a reassuring smile, walks with them to the child's bed, the child's deathbed. Taking the little girl by the hand, he speaks to her. And his voice, like a gentle, life-giving alarm clock, awakens the daughter of Jairus from death. Two words roused her from her mortal sleep. Talitha, umi. Which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And arise she does. The child comes awake, her youthfulness restored, and with it her parents hope. Enjoy. Not long after this, it was not the daughter of Jairus, but the Son of God who would be found at the point of death. For his enemies had tortured him and hung him on a cross, mocking him and spitting on him in the process. They laughed at him. The teachers and leaders of Israel laughed at the Son of God until he died until he stopped breathing, until blood and water flowed from his side at the plunge of the soldier's spear. They thought he was dead. They were right, you know. He was dead. Really, truly, they were right. But dead though he really and truly was, he was only sleeping I wonder if we had been in the tomb of Jesus early that Sunday morning, might we have heard the voice of the Father speak into the darkness, Yeshua, Kumi, Jesus, I say to you, arise. For arise, he did, and he went and he showed himself to his followers. They thought he was dead, but they were right about that no longer. For he was and is, even now, 
alive. And as surely as he rose from the grave, so will we. Death may mock us, spit us, and put us in the ground, just as it did to our Lord. But in the end, it will not have the last laugh. For it is but a sleep. And just as Jesus came to the deathbed of a little girl to wake her up, so too will he visit our resting place and wake us up forever. Because he lives, so will we. Amen. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. You believe this? said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, coming into the world. And he said, Where have you laid him? said to him, Lord, come and see. This wept. So the Jews said, See how he Some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, Come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him. Go. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever lost a loved one to death? It changes who you are changes everything. feels like your heart has been torn from your chest. I think it's more than just a saying the part, that a part of you dies with them. Because there is something about the community that God has given us with one another that something truly is missing when death separates us. 
Death rends soul from body, friend from friend, husband from wife, brother from sister, parent from child, sometimes even the other way around. Have you ever lost a loved one to death? Jesus did. Lazarus was one of his closest friends. He loved him like a brother. But as Jesus finally arrives in the little town of Bethany, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Lazarus' death had not come as a surprise to Jesus. In fact, he had told his disciples before their arrival that Lazarus had died of an illness so that the Son of God might be glorified in it. Jesus knows all of this, but that does not take away from him the very real human pain one feels when a loved one has died. And so when they say to him, Lord, come and see the place where they laid him, he responds with sorrow. The shortest and most tender verse of the New Testament. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. But even as the tears roll across his face, he orders the stone to be rolled away from the front of the tomb. He lifts up his eyes to heaven, still red from weeping, and says a prayer. Then he fixes his gaze on the open grave, cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, wrapped in the clothing of death, but dead no more. Have you ever lost a loved one to death? You did when Jesus breathed his last for you on Calvary's cross. But just as the story of Lazarus did not end with him wrapped lifelessly in grave clothes, so also the story of Jesus goes on through death and the grave and out the other side. The stone this time also had been rolled away from the tomb, but this time the dead man does not emerge wrapped in grave clothes. No, he has left them neatly folded, for he has no more use of them. And the words of the angel spoken at Jesus' grave echo the words spoken at Lazarus' grave. Come and see the place where they laid him. He is not here, for he has risen. Just as the story of Lazarus and the story of Jesus did not end in the grave, neither will ours. Though Lazarus would die again, this twice-dead friend of Jesus will one day be a twice-raised friend of Jesus. Martha wasn't wrong when she said that Lazarus will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. For Jesus will call his name once more, calling him again from death to life, this time life eternal. And the Lord will call your name too. And the names of those you love. His voice will release you from the bonds of death. You will shake off your grave clothes and you will live with your Lord and your risen loved ones, reunited forever. For now, 
our Lord says simply, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Amen. When Jesus rose from the dead, it meant a lot of things. I think what it meant maybe more than anything is that God was remaking the world. Jesus' resurrection was the end of death, but in a way, it was also a new beginning. And so let's share these words from 1 Corinthians 15, a book we're going to be jumping into for the next few weeks here, as Paul talks about the resurrection of Christ and what that means for you and for me. So Paul writes, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. In other words, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, that changes everything. That means we are still in our sins. If God doesn't raise the dead, then he didn't raise Jesus, and we have no hope. But, Paul continues, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Jesus did rise from the dead, and that changes everything. Today we've heard the accounts of those Jesus raised from the dead during his earthly ministry. But each of these three individuals experienced death once again. And their first resurrections were meant to point us to two future, fuller resurrections. First, to the resurrection of Christ himself. And because Jesus rose from the dead, Paul says, you and I will rise from the dead as well. Jesus is the first fruits of those who will die and come back to life. First fruits means that there is more to come. And so secondly, these resurrection accounts also point us forward to our own resurrection when Jesus returns in glory. Because our living Lord who raised the son of a widow, the daughter of Jairus, and his friend Lazarus from the dead has promised to do the same and much better for you and for me. So please join us here at Connect the next three weeks as we reflect on our God who can, who has, and who will raise the dead. As you go forth from here today, receive God's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.